Hi, this is Jason. I'm the lead pastor at Casper Alliance Church in Casper, Wyoming. We meet on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. at 2000 Casper Street. What you're about to hear is our teaching time from our Sunday morning worship gathering. Uh, This morning we're finishing up a series on uh, spiritual disciplines. This is the discipline of prayer, and our head elder, Mark, is speaking today. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com, or you can download our app in in your app store on your smart device or your tablet. Just search for Casper Alliance Church, download the app with the double C's, connect with us there, and there's lots happening on the app. Hope you have a great week. Thanks for supporting. We are um, in a series on uh, spiritual disciplines. Uh, It's been going on for six or seven weeks. Jason has a thing he likes to do where he likes to start these series and either not be here for the first week so someone else gets to introduce it or not be here for the end week so someone else gets to end it. So I'm the closer for the day. Um, we have a phrase we like to use, um, land the plane, which is something that you use when you're coming to the end of a sermon, but I'm going to try and uh, land the plane a little bit on the series on disciplines. And I'm also going to talk about the one last discipline that we wanted to uh, cover, and that's the discipline of prayer. So before I go any further, let's pray. Father, as we take a look now at this thing called prayer, Father, that you would uh, just speak to our hearts. Let us know what this means, what you want from us, Father, and let us know how we can work on praying in our life, Father. Um, Just open our hearts today. Tell us what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, last week I talked about silence and solitude, and I told you that it was hard for me because... I don't do silence and solitude, specifically silence. I have music, I have noise all the time in my life. Now, prayer, on the other hand, for me, has always been a thing that you do. You don't study it. And so as I, as I started um, preparing for this week, I got to looking and I'm like, what, what do you say about prayer? Um, like so many of the disciplines, it is, um, we're commanded to do it. A uh, couple quick verses. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Uh, we talked about the shortest verse in the Bible. This must be the second shortest verse. Pray without ceasing. At one point in my brain, I was like, that feels like sermon enough. I could just stand up here, read that verse and move on. But um, I didn't. Spoiler alert. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, beginning of verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about everything, anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Those are, for me, the two, like, famous prayer verses. There's a ton more in the Bible. It's pretty easy to find them. Um, The other thing about the other disciplines is Jesus did it. 
So if you have your Bible and you want to go to Matthew chapter 5, nope, Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. I knew there was a 5 in there somewhere. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5, pretty well-known passage. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received your reward, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows that you need, the Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. You will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This passage is why I think the ESV version is the version that Jesus used, because they use the right words. There's not, it's, it's trespasses and, and, you know, not debts and those kinds of things. So, um, so that, that was Jesus teaching his guys how to pray. The early church did it. Um, Acts chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid, hand, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread, and when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries before the door, door were guarding the prison. And behold... An angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly! And the chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the... He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And when they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angels left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. 
But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to his brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. So this passage from Acts could be a whole other sermon about when you're praying, you should expect it to be answered. And when you're praying for a person to be delivered and they're standing at the door, go ahead and invite them in. Don't make them wait outside. Um, this, I, this to me is one of the funniest passages in the whole New Testament. I just love it because I just picture Peter standing out there like, uh, guys, um, uh, guys. Um, but we talk a lot about prayer. But I think before we can discuss it, before I go any further, I kind of want to let you know kind of my working definition of what prayer is. And to me, what, what prayer is, is it's just a conversation with God. It's how we talk to him. It doesn't matter if it's long or short, um, as long as we're having that conversation. So I read all these things about why we should be praying, um, because Jesus said to do it, and the apostles said to do it, and Jesus did it, and the apostles did it, and everyone did it. But teaching about prayer, to me, is just a little bit tricky. And the reason is because we all pray differently, right? And so much of how we as believers pray is how we grew up. I was telling some of the guys that worshiped him the other night. I had a friend in college. We were in this singing group together. And we were at their house. And their father, who was an American and had grown up an American, when he started praying, he prayed in King James language. It was the weirdest thing. And we're all like looking at each other going, why is he talking like that? But when we talked to his talked to his daughter, our friend, she was like, that's, that's how he grew up, the church he grew up in. There's a lot of these and thous, a lot of thys and that kind of stuff. Um, it's just so interesting because prayer to me is such a learned behavior. When I hear my kids pray, I hear my voice, I hear Beth's voice in their prayers. And it's like, man... Someone should have warned me that my kids were going to be listening to me all the time, that I was doing this stuff, and that they were going to pick up on these things. Um, you know, and I guess, heads up to parents, it's important that your kids see you pray. It's important that other people see you pray. Um, and so because of that, it's hard to teach someone how to pray, right? It's like trying to teach someone how to have a conversation, and, you know, I don't, I don't know how you do that. You kind of give some guidelines. You give some best practices. You know, there's books you can read on how to, how to have a good conversation and how to, you know, all these kinds of things. But the bottom line is until you start doing it, you're never going to be comfortable in it. You know, until you start having conversations with a person, you know, it's like being in a marriage, You've got to talk to each other and you've got to just be and you get used to it. And as time goes on, the conversations get easier. You can say a lot more with a lot less words sometimes. You can say a lot less with a lot more words at other times. But that's a whole, a whole different situation. But unless you start having conversations with God, you're just not going to get comfortable in it. So... Uh, I said at the beginning, we've been talking about prayer as a discipline. I 
Jason talked about this book, um, the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, and he held it up once, and I was going to hold it up, but I left it back in Jason's office. Um, it's an excellent resource, has a lot of stuff about all the different disciplines and, you know, some scripture things and how to work on them and how to develop them and how to, uh, um, you know, use them in your life. But if you look up prayer, it's not in there. But intercessory prayer, liturgical prayer, praying for scripture, we're praying scripture, prayer partners, um, healing prayer. There's a whole lot of other disciplines that are in that book that have the word prayer in them. But it's important to note about that, that the ability to pray is implied in all of them. It's just disciplines on how to do or how to work prayer into these other parts of your life. And so I guess, bottom line, I will just throw this in. The bottom line on prayer is do it. Uh, two words, do it. Whatever works, whenever works, however works. You know, I would, like to, I would love to sit here and tell you, everyone should get up at 5.30 in the morning, and you should pray from 5.45 to 6.30 before you do anything else in your life. I never do that. That is not a thing in my life. That does not work for some people. Um, and, and I think we, a lot of times, get discouraged about prayer because we've heard, these are the things I should do. This is how it should look. This is how it should feel. This is how I should be going about my life in prayer. And honestly and truly, it's not true. As long as you're doing it, you're doing it. And then you can work on prayer. Um, you know, I talked last week about silence and solitude and how it takes time and you have to build that muscle. It's the same thing with prayer. Um, you know, these disciplines, I have a big thing about why do we do them? You know, what's, what's the why? And... Um, you know, as we've been describing all these disciplines, I realize that what they are for is they're designed to bring me into a closer relationship with the Father. And I keep thinking back to the marriage analogy. And as, as, as a husband and wife talk to each other, and as they have children, they're in agreement with each other about how things are going to go. And just like that, we, we need to agree with God. We need to be on the same page with God. And the only way to really do that is to talk to him, to be in a, in a conversation, to be in a relationship with him. One of the, uh, the big things, amazingly, when you start searching um, what should you teach about prayer, a whole bunch of stuff comes up about why don't I, why shouldn't, or why shouldn't I pray? What's the point of prayer? Uh, one of the one of the famous passages they bring up, and I love this passage, Psalm one thirty nine, starting at verse one. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. 
Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You know, it's pretty easy for me to say, you know, God knows what I need because he's omnipotent. So I don't really need to pray and ask him for that. God knows what my sins were today. So I don't really need to confess those and pray that, um, you know, God knows that my kids are sick and I would like for them to be healed or God knows that, you know, all these things are going on in my life because this right here says God knows my ups and downs and my ins and outs and what I'm going to say before I even say it. So if he knows all that, what's the point? Why do I need to, um, why do I need to say it? I mean, if I trust God, then I can just float along in life and think God's watching. He's got his little, you know, camera on my life with the big monitors in the sky. I don't know if any of you ever picture how God keeps track of all this stuff, but um, so he knows what I'm going to do. At some point, <laughs> I find myself thinking, um, God loves me as I am. So why do I need to change? Why do I need to start telling him this stuff? It's all going to be the same. And what I realized in looking into a lot of these scriptures, into a lot of these disciplines in general, um, the ones we've talked about and the other ones that I know are out there, is oddly enough, they're not for God's benefit. They're for my benefit. This is one of those things where, where the disciplines are about me. Um, and it, it's, it's just so interesting. But when you look at all the, all the disciplines, including prayer, you know, we do these things so that we can have hope. So we can have peace. So we can have what other people around us do not have. And that is kind of a powerful place to be. It's been interesting as I, uh, as I looked at prayer, you know, Jason mentioned a couple weeks ago that worship ties into all the disciplines. All the disciplines, they all seem to come back to worship. I think just as prevalently prayer ties into all the disciplines. You know, when we're looking to give, we give prayerfully. When we're in worship, we pray. Um, when we're together, we pray. All the things that we do. And so by developing our relationship with God, we align our lives, we align our thoughts, we align our wills, we align our intents with Jesus in everything and what prayer is, is just the verbal manifestation of your heart. 
it declares, we declare our allegiance, um, you know, just like a couple declare their allegiance to each other by saying it out loud to God, we verbally um, declare those things. So, so we have to pray, right? And I don't think there's any question in anyone's mind. The evidence is out there that we have to pray. It's not like, a, eh, if you feel like it, we have to pray. But sometimes, you know, I will admit, it's hard to pray. Life is hard sometimes. And sometimes you just don't want to. Um, I went through, this is the weird, I look, you know, sometimes you look back on your faith journey. When I was a freshman in college, uh, you know, I had grown up in the church and I was like the superstar of the church. You know, I was like the leader of the youth group and all the things. But I got to college and I'm like, here's my chance to live my life. And I like, it wasn't like I said, God, I don't want anything to do with you. But I just spent my days living like everyone else was living. But every night in my dorm room, okay, I'm 18, 19 years old. I said two things. I said the Lord's Prayer. And I said, which if you, it's horrible when you think about it. There's a prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. 20 years later, I thought about the prayer and I'm like, that's horrible. What was, what was I thinking? But, but I had that thing in my head that I needed that connection um, even when I thought I don't need it, I needed it. So a couple things about the why, why we have to pray. The first one, and I read this and it, it baffled me for a minute. I have to recognize that I am not God out loud. And that's what prayer does. When you're praying to someone, you are making a verbal declaration that there's someone bigger than you out there. And whether, whether you do it or not, it does something in your brain to say something out loud. Uh, the second thing it does by praying is I surrender my control to someone else, which... Flashback to the first one, I'm not God. If I'm surrendering control of my life to someone else, that also is a very, um, a very almost humbling, kind of growing experience for people. The other thing prayer does is it forces me to communicate how I actually feel about something. Because, I don't know, I, may, I might just speak in to myself, but sometimes I think I feel great about everything. <laughs> and if you listen to me pray, sometimes it's like, wow, he feels great about everything. But by, by praying, it forces me to communicate to God, these are my fears. These are the things that I'm bothered by. These are the things I'm struggling with. And, um, it, and even, and Jason mentioned this, I think it was Jason, a couple weeks ago. You know, when you're praying, 
you know, if you say, God, forgive me for my sins, that's one thing. But if you're like, God, these are the very specific things that I did, that plays different in all the stuff going on here. And, and that's powerful. And, and then God, you know, when you, you open yourself up to these things and you open yourself up to God saying, okay, now that you recognize it, I can, anyone can say I sin because we all sin, right? Um, and the last one that it does is it helps me learn how to trust. And they're all kind of wrapped up together, you know, recognizing that there's someone bigger than I am, recognizing that I'm not in control. It also, if I give it into someone else's hands, all of a sudden I'm trusting that person to do the thing, to help me with the thing, to provide the thing, whatever it is. So, so my encouragement for you, for all of us, for the discipline of prayer, one, take time to do it. Learn skills by participating in prayer. Um, we have opportunities around here. First things first happens every Sunday morning at 9.15 or shortly thereafter, depending on when it happens. But we meet over in the prayer room. We pray about the Sunday morning and we pray about people who are hurting. Um, our small groups will pray. We have plenty of opportunities um, if, if you're not comfortable praying, put yourself in the middle of people who do pray. We're having a, um, a week of prayer this week. Remember this thing I talked about it about an hour ago, 45 minutes ago? Um, take advantage of this. And, you know, it's funny because uh, praying out loud is a weird skill for some people. And... It's not an easy one sometimes because you get wrapped up in your head and you're like, I don't want to sound dumb. What if I say the wrong thing? What if, what if everyone's going to laugh at me and be like, hee, did you, did you hear what they prayed? It doesn't happen that way. You know, when, when your kids are little, they say some of the craziest things in their prayers. But they're praying. And that's what matters. And so... Um, it takes a little bit of courage to put yourself out there. So maybe don't do it in front of 40 people to start with. Put yourself in a group of six and pray. Um, look for opportunities to do it because they are, they are out there. Uh, don't be afraid to ask people to pray for you. If you are struggling with something, you know, whether that's health or finances or relationships or finding a job or whatever it is, find someone. You know, the elders of this church, the other leaders in this church, just the people of this church would love to pray for you. And if you go up to them and you say, hey, I have this issue. We don't know each other. I'm Bob. Um, I'm having this problem. I need someone to pray for me. We will do that. We have a we have a prayer chain on our app. Uh, you can put stuff on there, and that goes out to I don't know. There's like 11 gajillion people on that app. I don't know how many are on there, but you know everybody in here gets that, and they can look at it, and they can go, oh, I may not even know that person, but I know that there's someone named Debbie who is having surgery tomorrow, 
And I don't need any more details than that because God has the details, right? I can just say, hey, Debbie needs prayer. And God will be like, okay, file that one over here because that's how, that's how God works. He has a file system. Um, so don't be afraid to ask for prayer. Also, don't be afraid to ask people if you can pray for them. You know, sometimes you look at someone and you're like, man, I've known them for a while, but they seem like maybe they're struggling with something and just say, hey, there's something I could pray for you for. It's stepping out in faith a little bit. Um, and they may say, oh, no, I'm fine, which that's okay. You don't have to like, no, you're not. You're not fine. I'm going to pray for you anyway. I mean, you can pray for them anyway, but you don't have to tell them that. Um, so don't be afraid either to ask people to pray for you or don't be afraid to ask to pray for other people. Um, it's just all building that muscle. The other thing you can do, take time to study the word about prayer. Like I said, if you go through the Bible, there's prayer stuff all over the place. And if you, um, you know, even if you get on your Google machine and you say, hey, what does the Bible say about prayer? It'll bring out a bunch of stuff. Be a little careful because sometimes you'll get some weird stuff. Um, but if you see something that doesn't feel right, ask someone and say, hey, I'm trying to learn more about prayer. And um, I read this thing from some crazy website that said I should, you know, only wear sandals when I pray. I don't know, whatever. There's crazy stuff out there. But take time. Take time to learn more about prayer. Learn about you know, what God says about prayer, learn about how Jesus prayed. Um, there are some great prayers just in the Bible. Read those. Um, make prayer a part, of time, a part of your worship time and your quiet time. When you're, when you're practicing solitude, when you're working on, on silence, um, you know, part of it, part of the silence discipline is listening. But part of it also is sharing your heart with God. And, and do that then. Um, it gives your brain something to do for people like me that's still, still counting my steps. I'm working on that. Um, but make, part, make that part of your time. When you are looking at your life and you're looking about um, giving of your time and giving of your money, pray about those things. And if, if you're part of a family, you know, tell your husband or your wife or your kids or the whole family and say, hey, um, God is telling me that maybe we should be involved in this or maybe we should give this or that kind of thing. Involve the family in praying about that. It's a great lesson for your kids. It's a great lesson for your spouse. It's a great lesson for everybody. And it, it builds that muscle. It flexes, it flexes that thing in your soul um, where you are coming before God and you're like, I'm recognizing that I'm not God. You're recognizing that I need someone bigger um, and you're surrendering control. So I guess what I'm saying is prayer is everywhere. Prayer should be everywhere. And, you know, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. When I said at the beginning, this verse could be the whole sermon. Pray without ceasing, really is the whole sermon. And it's weird to look at it that way, but it's easy to remember it. Um, it's a muscle. I'm going to have the worship team if you guys want to wander on up.
it's a muscle and it a lot of times it gets neglected I think because we just do it and we're just always yeah I pray blah 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 I you know be present at our table Lord be here in every door these mercies blessing grant that we may feast paradise with thee you know before you eat you say the prayer you move on with your life so these things just happen, but it's like all the other disciplines. It's a muscle. We just need to flex it. We need to build it. And um, through it, you'll have hope. You'll have peace. You'll have joy. And most importantly, you will become more and more in alignment with the Father. You'll be more and more aware of what he wants from you. Um, you'll be more and more aware of what he has planned.